Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to pray for people as the Holy Spirit leads um, soon. But, you know, I want to encourage you. We are living in such extraordinary days. I, I sense the invitation of the Lord right now. And it's an invitation not to just live life as we always have, but to step up into a whole new place of divine acceleration and promotion. And I mean that in that that God wants to promote you into the things that you've been dreaming about on the inside but have almost given up on. Because the heart of God is to see those things come to pass that his name would be glorified, amen? And it's, it's... Sometimes people are, hope deferred makes the heart sick and people get tired of waiting and they lose hope and they lose heart. But I can tell you right now, this is the season where hope deferred is being demolished and that God is overtaking you with the promises that he's given you. So it's not a time to to get despondent. It's a time to, to run to him and say, God, you said. And I hear the Lord saying, it's time to remind him of the promises. Begin to remind him, like Nehemiah did, reminding God, reminding him of his promises, like Daniel, reminding God about what his promises are. It's not because God's forgotten, but God's waiting for your faith to partner with his word and see his kingdom established in the earth, amen? That's a word from the Lord, and that is an invitation requiring your response. God's looking for people to get, to get up and to, to take hold of what he's taken hold of for us. I remember um, I, when I was just 30 years old, a little while ago, and um, it's my birthday next Friday, hallelujah. I am nearly a grown up, but not quite, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the Lord had promised me that in my 30th year, I would see the things that he'd promised me. He'd promised me that I would begin to preach and that I'd be given opportunities to preach. And it hadn't happened up to that stage. I'd had my three babies. I'd been to Bible college part-time while I raised the kids and, um, and stayed home to look after them. But nine days before I turned 31, I just got annoyed because my situation was worse than it ever had been. I was doing less than I ever was before. And I had these promises that God had spoken to me personally. Back when I was 23, I wrote them down. In my 30th year, God's gonna open the door for me to preach the gospel. And I tell you, in the natural, there was, it was the opposite of opportunity that was happening. And so I just, I, I got on my treadmill, did my Exercise, exercise is good, hallelujah. I was in the academy this week talking with uh, Christine Greenwood doing an interview with the students who we were just talking about good life, health, balance, hallelujah. It's, that's godly too, looking after your body. Anyway, I was doing my exercise and um, I just got a militant with God. I began to say, Lord, you said, you said in my 30th year, these things were gonna happen. There's nine days left 
and I, I am holding you to your promise. You said it, you're gonna do this because you said you're gonna do it. And Lord, I'm reminding you, there's only nine days, so I'm thanking you that these nine days, you are bringing that breakthrough you've promised to me, and I just <laughs> began to talk to you. I wasn't being rude, but I was, I was actually going to war with the promises. You know, it tells us in 1 Timothy 1.18 or 2 Timothy 1.18, I have to look it up. Wage warfare, therefore, my son Timothy, with the prophetic words spoken over you. That, you know, God wants us to actually wage war with the promises that he's given us and not just let them sit there as, well, we'll wait and see. They're actually invitations that you are required to go to war with to begin to speak it out, to begin to declare it, to begin to say, this is what you said, you said. And if you say, say well, I don't have very many, many prophetic words, you've got a whole book of them. The Bible tells us that you are now, as a believer in Christ, one who is born again, a co-heir with Christ. Jesus was Jewish, so all the promises that applied to the Jewish people also now apply to you. That's better than you're reacting. All the promises in the New Testament now apply to you. Every promise the Bible says, God says, is yes and amen for you. That is, yes, so be it. And God is waiting for us to begin to realize the richness of what's been given to us so that we begin to, instead of sitting back moaning and complaining, start to pick it up, decree it and declare it and say, Lord, you said, you said, you said with long life you'll satisfy us and show us our salvation. So that one you're praying for that's struggling with sickness, instead of accepting it and, and um, getting upset, begin to declare the promises of God. You said, thank you, Jesus. You said, thank you, they will live a long, healthy life. Thank you, Lord. Begin to declare the promises of God. You said, God, you declared your will, that your will was for me to prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. So Father, I thank you, I declare, I am prospering. I am healthy, my soul is prospering, I am walking with you and you are helping me. As you begin to, to lay hold of these things, you'll see yourself step up out of the passive um, place of, of complacency and start to step out onto the field of battle where the battle's already been won for you. Hallelujah. The battle belongs to the Lord, but you now also belong to the, the Lord, and so you get to work with him to see his plans and his kingdom accomplished uh, on earth and in your life, amen? Hallelujah. Well, that is not my message today, but I believe that's the message of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he, thus saith the Lord. Um, I wanna read to you today from Hebrews chapter 11, if you've got your Bibles. He is a good father, amen? I tell you, I feel, I feel some warfare coming up, and it's exciting, it's exciting. It's not dangerous and scary, it's exciting because God's already guaranteed us that his promise is that he has already given us the victory. Hallelujah. And he always causes us to triumph. That's great news. What are you gonna do with that one? What are you gonna do with that promise? That's pretty extraordinary. Means that you have his promise, you always cause me to triumph. Hooray. What are you worried about? Don't worry. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. 
This is a fascinating chapter. They call it the Hall of Faith. And there's many, many, many heroes of the faith that are listed here. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice, verse four. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. But he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's another thing you can tell God. God, you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. You are the one who's given us the faith of the Son of God, and I thank you that faith pleases you, so I thank you that I'm pleasing to you, God. I thank you today, Lord, that I can go to war with your promises knowing that you are faithful. By faith, Noah, uh, it goes on. By faith, Abraham uh, dwelt in the land. Then verse 11, it says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, not just a little bit either, because she judged him faithful who had promised. I love this, Hebrews 11, 11. God is trying to get our attention and he's wanting us to wake up and realize, 11.11, John 11.11 talks about Lazarus was sleeping, but Jesus went to wake him up. I always see 11.11 as as a wake-up call. And this scripture here, Hebrews 11.11, says that it talks about she judged God faithful who had promised. I love it. God wants you to put your anchor, your hope, in his nature. You know, it tells us in the book of Revelation that Jesus actually has inscribed on his thigh the words faithful and true. It's his name. His name is faithful and true. That's who he is. God can't lie. Hallelujah. He is faithful and true. And, he, and when we judge him faithful, we, we can trust him. We can rely on him. We can put our hope in him. But I wanna talk to you about something a little different tonight. Not only did Sarah judge God faithful, but God judged Sarah faithful. And it's fascinating when you read the story of Abraham and Sarah having this child. It's like, it didn't seem like, if you were to read this is what the heavenly record is, you'd think it would read Sarah, Firstly, laughed at the idea that she'd have a son. They tried a whole lot of other ways, ended up with an Ishmael when she gave her servant to Abraham. And then when the the angelic visitors arrived to say, this time next year, Sarah will be pregnant, she laughed in scorn. She didn't seem to have a whole lot of faith. And then they said, why did you laugh? She goes, I didn't laugh. She lied. Not only did she not believe it, She lied about not believing it. But the heavenly record doesn't say, Sarah lied. Sarah didn't believe God, but God was faithful anyway. The heavenly record says this, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and bore a child. uh, and when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. You wouldn't think that. You'd think it'd say she conceived, but you know, it took her quite a while to actually believe that God would do it. No, 
And this is what I love about our God. As we judge him faithful, he judges us faithful too. In that if you've had a bad day, so say anybody had a bad day today? You, one person. Well, this is a word of the Lord for you. Let's say you had a bad day. And I know you wouldn't have done this, but let's say you got worried and fearful that things weren't gonna work out. Let's say that you got sharp and short with your family and said some things you didn't wanna say and you've come into worship tonight and you, you just said, okay, God, okay, I'm sorry, I'm not trusting you, I'm, I'm sorry about that, I do trust you. And um, yeah, shouldn't have said those things, but thank you, God, that I'm forgiven. I receive your grace. The heavenly record tonight says, by faith, my daughter came into church, worshiped me, trusted me, and judged me faithful. In fact, the Bible tells us that that is, and that's not Catherine's idea of what happens. The Bible tells us that that's the truth. He makes no mention of past sins and will never even recall them. The Bible says that as far as the East is from the West, he separated our sins from, the, from us. Hallelujah. And the East and the West never meet. Earth is round. Hallelujah. <laughs> they never meet. Praise the Lord. And because they never meet, God is trying to tell us they're not out there somewhere and we'll see, I might dredge them up if you're not careful. He's saying, I've thrown them into the sea of my forgetfulness and I will recall them no more. I will never remember them again. When we begin to understand that this is how God thinks about us, it brings us into a place of liberty and freedom that we are called to live in. You see, we need to not only judge God faithful, we need to start coming into agreement with how he judges us. You know what God sees when he sees you? If you're someone that's given your life to Christ, you've said, Lord, I receive Jesus as my life. Jesus is my savior. I give you my old life, all my sin, all the crookedness that was everything that was wrong with me. I give it all to you and I receive a new heart. I receive a new nature, the nature of Christ. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I thank you, God, for new life. If you mess up after you've done that, the Bible doesn't say, well, now you're back to being a rotten, bad sinner again. He still calls you a saint. And as he looks at you and you come and go, oh, God, I messed up. It was so bad. He doesn't go there saying, stand there thinking, oh, you did. That, you know, I had great plans for you. You really messed this up. I can't do anything about that now because of what you've done. That is not how God thinks. Well, Sarah, you know, I had the plans for you to be like the mother of many, all the nations, and you've just messed it up. Because not only did you not trust me, you lied about not trusting me. Well, that was a bit, that's not how God works. God looks at us and he judges us righteous, clean, forgiven, and the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter three, even if our hearts condemn us, he is greater than our hearts. His judgments are worthy and faithful and true and faith is required to come into line with what he believes about us. 
it is much easier to get, um, get into some form of false humility or religious state that says, no, 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 I need to beat myself up about this for a while. I need to sort this out in my life. I'm a bad person. I need to sort this out. Why do I keep doing this? I'm so, oh, I can't understand it. That's a place of cyclical unhappiness. Instead, you have to go, okay, I messed up. That was wrong. Thank you, Jesus. That is not how you define me. That's not how you judge me. In fact, you don't even remember it anymore. Thank you, Jesus, that you spilt real blood to pay for that. And I thank you, God. You've forgotten it, so I will too. It requires faith to do that. It's easier to actually hold on to it, recount it, beat yourself up about it, because then in some way you feel like you can earn the forgiveness. Humility is receiving what you can have no part in earning. And having faith that pleases God is faith that says, God, you're better than I feel like I deserve. Hallelujah. God, you're better than I feel like I deserve. What does your heavenly record say about me today? It says, she trusted me as her savior, as her redeemer. She is righteous, she is clean, she's holy. She's walked with a faithful heart. But God, but God, I was, I was worried about this, I was fearful about that, I said this, I shouldn't, oh, I did that, God, I, I did that again. And God doesn't look and go, oh, I give up, it's useless. We've tried again and again and again. You keep making the same mistake. Yeah, nah, I'm gonna choose someone else. Praise the Lord, that's not how God works. God doesn't look at that. He looks at you coming and going, again, God. He goes, oh, I love you. You're so lovely. You are clean. You're right. But God, that's not true. I did bad, 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 bad. He goes, no, no, no. Look at me. I already spilt real blood for that. That's, that's covered, that's gone. Your faith in approaching me is what I see now, what, I, what pleases me, hallelujah. God judges, the righteous judge judges. He looks at you and he goes, clean, righteous. But, 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 clean, righteous. Because you're not defined by your performance, you're defined by your faith. If you were defined by your performance, it would be called self-righteousness. And all your self-righteousness is as filthy rags. But those that would humble themselves and say, okay, God. You know, let's say that you've really had a struggle with anxiety or fear. And you've had one day of going, oh, it's just hopeless. No, it's because it's terrible. It's never going to happen. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. And you go, oh, God, I should trust you. I know I should trust you. And the next day you do it again. Oh, God, I'm telling my friends. God doesn't look at you and give up on you. God doesn't keep a record of those sins to be exposed in front of the whole world and the universe um, on Judgment Day. The Bible tells us what happens on Judgment Day. Would you like to know? Let's have a look. This is good stuff. Have a look here. First John. 
Who knows where I'm going? Come on, you guys. Who knows where I'm going? First John chapter four, verse 17. Come on, you, Julia, you and me. Did you say? Oh, well, that's all right. Who said that? First John four seventeen. Pastor Dylan. <laughs> God looks at Dylan today and he doesn't judge him as a liar. He judges him as righteous and full of faith. Hallelujah. This needs to be a memory verse for you. First John 4.17, say it. First John 4.17. Let's read it. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears is not being made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. It's attaching fear to judgment. And you don't have to be afraid anymore because judgment is not coming your way when you are in Christ. What is coming your way is the judgment of God that says, I judge you righteous. I judge you clean, as righteous as my son. Your sins aren't just covered, they have gone. They're not part of your nature anymore. This is who you are. And when by faith you start to judge God faithful, and you start to agree with him about how he judges you, your attitude toward everybody else will shift. God is looking for us to be a people who would love as he loves, right? How does he love? He loves with kindness that's beyond our comprehension, patience that's beyond our ability to have humanly. He loves us in a way, the Bible tells us exactly how he loves, in fact. It tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. He keeps no record. So you come to him tomorrow and you go, God, you know, we have to have this talk. I keep sinning, keep sinning, I'm so sorry. He looks at you and he says, I'm so happy to see you. Let's talk about what we're gonna do today. How do we know that? Well, we read about it when Jesus explained to us what the father was like in the story of the prodigal son. Son comes home, oh, I don't even deserve to be called his son. But before he can get the words out, the father's putting a robe on him, a ring on his finger, calling for a party, shoes on his feet, restoring everything to him, and the guy hasn't even said sorry yet. That's what God's like with you. Today, tomorrow, the next day, again and again and again until you actually start to believe his nature. When we begin to believe that he is faithful and true and that as we have come to him in faith, believing that he has given us power to become new creations, that he's given us forgiveness and mercy, hallelujah. When we believe that his patience and his mercy doesn't run out, but that thank you, Jesus, the blood 
never fails, hallelujah, that your blood covers a multitude of sins, hallelujah, that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, not just a few, all of them, hallelujah. The Father's longing for us to begin to come into agreement with how he feels, to begin to believe how he judges us. What does heaven's record say about you today? People get worried, they think, oh, I don't know if that's okay to, to say these things because then people might just keep sinning and not have any fear of God. Wrong. When you start to judge God faithful and true, and you start to believe that he judges you faithful, then as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, we only become people who aren't doers of the word when we forget what we actually look like. First, I mean, James chapter one tells us that if any man's a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's because he's like a man who looked at his natural face in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. If you're not doing the stuff and you are a believer and you are in constant sin, the answer isn't for you to try harder or to blame anybody else. The answer isn't for you to blame yourself and get down on yourself and then try and deal with yourself. The answer is to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need more reminding. I need more reminding of what you look like. So God, help me to look in the mirror. And the Bible tells us what the mirror is, that we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. In other words, as we look at him, we see what we look like. He is our mirror. As he is, so am I. So as I remind myself of the truth, this is what I look like, this is who I am, pure, holy, true, righteous, faithful, faith-filled, full of power by the Spirit of God, forgiven, not condemned, not guilty, no record of wrongs, absolutely declared righteous, clean, holy. As I begin to remind myself by looking at, the, at who he is and the goodness of what he's done, then when I am constantly allowing him to be my glory and the lifter of my head who looks up to see his face so that I remember what I actually look like, then when I believe what he says about me, not just theoretically, not just once off, but through constant fellowship and communion with the one who is speaking truth into my life, then I will become a doer of the works of Jesus. I will live like him. I will manifest the fruit that he has in his life. If you're not manifesting all the virtues of God, uh, the Bible tells us it's because you've forgotten that you've been cleansed of your past sins. Don't buy the lie that because you have sinned in an area, that is therefore your definition. Sin no longer defines you, Jesus does. When you start to believe this, as you, and not just, you can agree with it and still keep sinning, but if you keep looking at the Father and you come to him, fight every day to be alone with him, with the one who wants to speak truth into your life, as you let him speak to you and say, you are my beloved, holy and dearly loved, hallelujah, that's the word of the Lord. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. God, I thank you that I'm holy and I'm dearly loved and I'm full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and that you are with me constantly as my fellowship, as my helper to help me in all of my times of need. You are my escape in every temptation that comes my way. You make the way for me where there seems to be no way. You are my help, God. There is nothing that comes against me that you aren't present with me, ready to help me. So today, help me to be aware and conscious of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You know, I used to um, go to an Anglican girls' school, and in that school, we would say the grace on Mondays at assembly as we sat on the cold concrete, uh, cross-legged. Anybody remember days like that? I think they probably don't do that anymore. I don't know, maybe they do. Um, But we used to say the grace. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore, amen. (laughs) And we would say it by rote. But one day I woke up to the reality of what that actually meant. I was listening to the audio Bible in the car one day. Now, may the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ His love, the love of God. God wants us to be aware of his grace. Oh, thank God I've been set free from me. Thank God real blood was spilt for my sin. Thank you, God, that your love is so amazing. It casts out all fear. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This is an invitation that most of us don't make full use of. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit is what will keep you walking in freedom, peace, joy, and righteousness. He is the kingdom of God. He encapsulates everything we need. He is the spirit of the Father, the spirit of the Son, the Holy Spirit. As we begin to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in our everyday moments, recognizing that he's there, ready to help us. And as we begin to say, I do need you, I want your help, help me, help me. He is there to help you, hallelujah. He is there to help you when you're feeling angry. He is there to help you when you're feeling tempted. He is there to help you when you're feeling discouraged. He's just waiting for you to reach out and say, I wanna hold your hand, help me, talk to me. Help me, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. Here's my head, lift it up, help me. Help me, I wanna look at you. What do you say about me today? What's the truth, God? And as you begin to let him speak truth to you, hallelujah, his light begins to flood our hearts. In his light, we see light, is what the scripture says. In your light, we see light in my own world and in my own space and in my own troubles, all I see is panic, problems and, and sin and stuff. But in his light, ah, I can see clearly now the rain is gone, hallelujah. <laughs> God wants us to live in a place where the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is continually reminding us that we are connected, we are accepted, we are loved, we are holy, so that as we believe what he says about us, we then can, living in this place of constant awareness, manifest the truth of who we really are. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.